2: Preparation years are essential. They're needed in your life and mine. There's no way for us to ever instantly mature. But God uses time as a maturing process. The second thing you want to write, because there is no time in heaven, is this statement. God is
0: never in a hurry. His timing is perfect. As many of us are aware, the transformation of the Spirit isn't necessarily an overnight process. This is an important thing to realize when it comes to undertaking ministry as disciples of Christ. In the Bible, we read of instances where preparation is crucial when undertaking ministry, whether it's big or small. In today's Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark addresses the importance of preparation and patience, in our message, we learned that it's absolutely necessary to wait on the Lord and prepare our hearts for what He might be calling us to do. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew, Chapter 3, Verse 1, with Part 1 of his message entitled, Real Christian, Prove It!
2: When we go through the book of Matthew, we have to get immersed in the text. You have to become part of it. So this morning, all you guys, you're going to be John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Ladies, I have nothing for you today. Just hang out. Eventually, I'll get to you. No, you ladies are going to be Johnny the Baptist. And you're going to see why, because... We need to be doing all of those things that John the Baptist does. That Johnny the Baptist does. So guys, let me hear you say this. I'm John the Baptist. Here we go. I'm John the Baptist. Ladies, I'm Johnny the Baptist. Here we go. I'm Johnny the Baptist. You got it. Now, that's not just a saying. But what you see John the Baptist doing, you want to follow it through in our teaching. Verse 1. In those days... John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea. Between chapter 2 and chapter 3, there's an interval of about 28 years. For nearly 30 years, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, and Jesus lived in normal, well, they lived normal life, but they were relatively obscure. There's no public ministry, there's no miracles, just normal growth as a young person, physical, social, and spiritual, as Luke 2.5.2 says. These were years of preparation. Preparation years are essential. They're needed in your life and mine. There's no way for us to ever instantly mature, but God uses time as a maturing process. The second thing you want to write, because there is no time in heaven, is this statement. God is never in a hurry. His timing is perfect. Now, you can imagine Jesus, knowing that God was going to use him mightily, wondered maybe sometimes, here he is 12 The only time we know about him as a child, as a young boy, he's in the temple. And we know that when the people in the temple taught, it was kind of boring. It was dead religion. You can see Jesus thinking, man, all right, Father, can I start teaching tomorrow? You can see him walking through the city and seeing the lame and the blind, those that had died, and wonder, God... Can I... I'm 18. Can I start now? No. He would have to wait until he's 30. Don't be anxious where God has you. God would have never blessed his ministry until he was ready. He isn't ready, amazingly, until 30. But God knew in his timing, well, it was perfect. Here at that time, suddenly... John the Baptist who we don't even know about except a little bit of his miracle birth filled with the spirit early he bursts onto the scene he's a prophet he's John the Baptist he's Johnny the Baptist he has a role of a prophet now God hadn't spoken to the Jewish people through a prophet for 400 years but here he is and he's going to speak of course they had the law They had the Torah, but John, notice back in verse 1, he came preaching. Preaching and teaching are different. Teaching is mostly to the mind. Preaching is mostly to the heart. So you kind of want both. It's a mixture to the heart and to the mind. Now, John comes preaching. In Bible school and seminaries, people are taught how to teach. Three-point sermon, introduction, something to grab the people, a good close. Five points in between or a three-point sermon or whatever. I use PowerPoint. Some preachers, you know, they use everything starts with a with a letter. Z, boom, 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 boom. And they struggle to get that last Z in there so you can get it. In other words, just man's way. Well, what what sermon points is John the Baptist going to have? Well, I'm going to give them to you this morning. There's five points and they all start... With the letter R, R. Here's this first, verse 2. John the Baptist preaches, and he says, repent, repent. First key, first sermon note, repent. Let me tell you a little something about it. When you hear John the Baptist sermon, it's the only one he has. He never changes. Can you imagine coming back next week and I say to you, first point, repent? You know, half of you wouldn't have been here and said, oh, cool. The rest of you going, I think we heard this. How about four weeks from now? Hi, it's Easter. Repent. That's his sermon. That's it. But wow, what impact. When you hear the word repent, most people go, you got to be kidding me. This is boring. This is going to be negative. But no, repent, it's a message of hope. Repentance, what does it mean? Listen to Carlson. Repentance is not merely intellectual change of mind or mere grief. Still less doing penance, but a radical transformation of the entire person, mind and body. Here's three things I want you to write. I want you to understand what repentance means. Number one, repentance means, first of all, to change one's mind. The way you think about things. This is a message John the Baptist is going to give. Number two, to be sorry. There is an element of being sorry in real repentance. Number three, to turn around to a new lifestyle. In other words... New actions. Right by verse 2 in your Bible, you might want to write the summary of repentance. It means a radical change or a radical transformation. Now, we don't mean somebody that becomes a Christian is weird, goes dancing everywhere, knocks on people's doors that they don't know, hellfire and brimstone. That ra- I'm not talking about that radical. But the life that they live after repentance is very different than the life before recently in a counseling session one of the young couples in the church shared with me that since they become christians fairly new someone a number of their friends have said to them basically what's changed in your life you're different now, it wasn't because they had the Christian cap on, that is big Bible. It was a change in their lifestyle. Listen to Peterson. Eugene Peterson says this Repentance is not an emotion, it's not feeling sorry for your sins, it's a decision. It's deciding that you've been wrong in supposing that you could manage your own life and be your own God. It's deciding that you were wrong in thinking that you had the strength, you had the education, and training. To make it on your own. Now, there is somewhat in this repentance, in this change of mind, there is a little teeny bit of being sorry. Listen to this article. Just after the tornado in Palm Bay last week, here's the article in our newspaper Roof damage reveals pot growing operation. <laughs> Don't you think God has a great sense of humor? <laughs> I, I think it's incredible. The, the minute I saw that article, I carried it out, and right at the bottom I wrote this. this is you go, Be sure your sins will find you out. <laughs> you see, here's these guys, and they had uh, 54 marijuana plants growing all over their house. So they had all the windows blocked. You couldn't see in because of the fluorescent lighting. And God goes, and here comes... <laughs> Here comes their roof off. They're at work. They drive in the driveway. There's no roof. But then in the doorway is Palm Bay's finest. (laughs) Now they were repenting. But they were just sorry that they got... Exactly. True repentance? No. No. And unless something changes, there's more plants going to be growing somewhere. Of course, maybe not for a while, because they might be in a place where, well, they'll just be sewing and ironing or whatever. (laughs) Real repentance. It's more than sorry, it's a radical life change. What should they repent about? John goes on in verse 2, repent for the kingdom of heaven or of God is near. That's the second point in John's message. Repent now, another R. The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, is at hand. What was John saying to these people? Man is deceived because man thinks he's ruling himself. Those of you that aren't Christians yet feel like you're in control of your life. You're ruling it. You make the decisions. You got it all together. But Jesus says later, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So here's what you, here's the truth. This is why there needs to be repentance. Look at this statement. All humans are born, first of all, self-centered. Second. Sinful. And third, in the kingdom, in the kingdom of Satan. You see, in a kingdom, the king rules. When I'm born, whether here in the days of Jesus, if Jesus tarries a hundred years, thousand years from now, every single person born in the world is born in sin with a sin nature that makes me Well, self-centered. I want to please myself. I want to rule myself. So most people who aren't Christians say, well, I'm not in the kingdom of Satan. I rule myself. No, you're not. There's only two kingdoms that can be part of, the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of Satan is where Satan rules. So if you're not a Christian this morning, you're not self-ruled. You're not your own self-made man. Satan is influencing everything that you do. So notice, John the Baptist comes and he says, you need to repent. You need to get out of that kingdom of Satan. There's another kingdom you can get into. Which kingdom is that? Well, it's the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Notice the statement. The kingdom of heaven is where God rules. God rules. Now, you got to understand that the kingdom of heaven is where God rules. So I want you to say it with me this morning. Now, you're John the Baptist. You're Johnny the Baptist. How would you say to the people, God rules? Oh, God rules. No, you go, God rules. You put some emphasis in your teaching. So you're John the Baptist. You're Johnny the Baptist this morning. Here we go. God, God rules. That's exactly right. Now let me ask you a question. Is he ruling your life is he oh I'm a Christian I'm a Christian I'm definitely a Christian is he ruling your life or are you self-ruled that's the key you see and John is boy is he gonna clarify that this morning and he's gonna show religious people who said God rules not a chance they were dead God wasn't even part of their life it was ritual and you'll see that as we go through so John the Baptist says the Messiah is coming he's coming and he's going to begin his ministry right here to these people on earth and it's going to be in the hearts of men and women and man that made the Jews incredibly excited because they've been waiting forever for the rule of God on this earth so his message of repentance is very simple look at it two keys turn away from your old lifestyle of sin, turn away from it. That's what repentance means. But the second half repentance means I just don't turn away, but I turn to God where God rules. And since I'm very self-centered, then I have to deny self and I have to follow God. So ask yourself this morning, Is there real repentance? Have you ever turned away from your old sinful lifestyle? And repentance means a radical transformation. Now I'm following God and God rules. That's the key. Now, in verse 3, we have a prediction. 700 years before John the Baptist came, Isaiah prophesied that John the Baptist would come. And He would come in the spirit of a man named Elijah. Elijah was the first Old Testament prophet. And you're going to see this morning that John the Baptist dressed very similar to this Old Testament prophet. Look at verse 3. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah 700 years before. We find this in Isaiah 40 verse 3. A voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths... For him. You see, in the ancient world, in a, in a practical sense, when a king planned to visit a city, messengers would go out, and obviously the roads weren't paved or whatever. They would put dirt in the holes and, and, and make the roads straight and passable and also these messengers would be a warning the people that the king was coming so kind of get your yard ready get yourself ready make your place look nice get your heart ready and here comes here comes the king you want to get ready because the king rules well john the baptist was doing the same thing spiritually he wasn't fixing the roads By the way, in those days, they did a really good job of fixing the roads, and it was really quick. I wish Brevard County could learn some things from them. But John the Baptist was a forerunner. He was a messenger. He was the official herald of heaven. And he was announcing the Messiah's coming. And he was calling the people of the nation of Israel not to prepare the roads, but to prepare their dry and barren hearts. In other words, get your heart ready spiritually to receive this Messiah. Clear the road of your life. Clear the junk in your life. Clear the sin in your life that shouldn't be there so that when the Messiah comes, your heart is open to him. Now, how do you think John the Baptist said, Repent, for the kingdom is at hand? Do you think John or Johnny said it like this? Well, if you'd like to repent, that would be nice. But if if you don't, it's okay too. No problem. Oh, I don't think so. In fact, the word calling that you see in verse 3 means a sense of urgency. Actually, in the original language, it means he was commanding the people to admit they needed to repent. Now, what kind of clothes did John wear? First of all, let me tell you that John the Baptist wouldn't have been Esquire's best-dressed man of the year. Look at verse 4. John's clothes were made of... Camels here. If any of you, those of you that have been to Israel with us, and you're riding a camel, you remember that man? That sucker hurt your bottom forever. It was rough. It was. Ho- Can you imagine? That's that. No fleece. There's is camels here, and he had a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. You see, his clothes identified him with the Old Testament prophet. He wasn't weird, but he was outfitted to live in the desert. That's who he was. He had to learn to live in the desert. So he could, well, he could relate to the common people. Today, he wouldn't be be wearing that. You see kind of the, John the Baptist, if you were John or Johnny this morning, you wouldn't look like that. You'd you'd probably just have khakis on and maybe flips or whatever and a a t-shirt. Now, in deference to that, as he's out there in the wilderness you'll see later that the religious leaders come with their long, flowing robes. So this is like a shock because these people are coming to listen to someone they can relate to. Now, what was his diet? Well, it's not fear factor. He didn't eat these locusts wild. (laughs) Locusts were in Leviticus, if you look, they're clean approved food for the jews and they were usually about well about three inches long and you would pick the uh, legs and backs off and in the wings and kind of gut them a little bit and and roast them and john as he's in the desert you know he's not eating salsa and corn chips at the mexican place he's actually eating locust chips and dipping them in that honey, baby That's what he's doing. You say, that's a weird diet. No, it's kind of good because it's lots of protein. It's very low fat. And instant energy, carbohydrates from the old wild honey. Now, if you were God and you're announcing the arrival of your son to the land of Israel, what city would you pick? Well, you'd obviously pick the city of Jerusalem. I mean, that's where all the people are. That's where the temple is. That's where, by the way, today it's still the religious capital of the world. Well, he doesn't pick Jerusalem, he picks the sticks, the wilderness. Now, think about this in the wilderness, who would go hear somebody dressed a little funky with a little locust leg or something in your teeth? And this guy's crying something like, Repent. Who in the world would leave town to go do that? Well, look at verse 5. People went out to him from Jerusalem.
0: In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark covered some of the essentials that are crucial to the Christian ministry. Rather than jumping in head first, Pastor Mark taught us the importance of preparation and patience. As hard as it may be, at times, Pastor Mark reminds us that our timing isn't always God's timing, and that preparation is key. We learn that when we keep these things in mind, our effectiveness in ministry is much more consistent.
3: You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website.
0: Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark addresses a common characteristic that each and every one of us shares, the desire for meaning and reason in our lives. Whether we pursue fulfillment of these characteristics or try to bury them deep down, Pastor Mark will teach us how we can truly obtain the result we all desire. This, as we'll learn, comes only through fellowship with God, through His Son whom He sent. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.
1: have seen and our ears have heard. His Word made flesh in a hurting world. A new hope He is giving. Lord, let us hear your lessons this.